John likes tech and lives in Indiana, you know Kevin likes the Dodgers and talks on the radio John plays games on Xbox and on his Nintendo While Kevin runs around LA with his mustachio It's the Lack of Genius Podcast In your ear holes at last They don't know they're Mars and Venus That's why it's the Lack of Genius Podcast Hooray! John, hello John and hello Mr. Guest (laughs) Who um, is, I will introduce as... um, well, her name is Ambrosia. I think that's the simplest way to introduce her. So we'll start with that. Hello, Ambrosia, and welcome. Hi. So Ambrosia and I go way back. Uh, we, I think, I think we. Pro- I don't know if we officially met in middle school, but we went to the same middle school and met probably at some point in our high school years and became very good friends in adulthood. And Ambrosia is here today representing what she does as a profession. She's actually in, this is a first, John. This is our first guest, I believe, that, is coming to us from their office. My professional setting. Not a home office. No, yeah. No, this isn't a standalone facility. Yeah. Your first professional. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was going to say, I, and, and so we haven't even said what you're a professional of. You are a professional doula, which if you're already listening to this episode, you knew that because it probably said on the title. Um, and we were talking before the episode started where, you know, you put together a quiz for us on what a doula is. Mm-hmm. And the very first question, spoiler alert, is what is a doula? So we don't necessarily want to answer that entirely off the bat yet because I want to share this story with you Ambrosia and and get your feedback on this like I guess my question is what do people say to you when when you say you're a doula I had a friend who I was telling about this episode the first thing he said is like you mean like a doula hon and a doula hon is I believe a headless horseman like a mythological Irish folktale headless horseman which is not what you are so like do you get a lot of confusion when you tell people what you do they're often looking for my horse <laughs> <laughs> and your head. <laughs> and yeah, they're like, wait, you're what? Yeah. Um, no, no uh, you know, I, when I first started out this work, for sure, I had to explain and correct the pronunciation and everything of what a doula is and what a doula does. I have like a legit elevator spiel, right? But over the, over the years, uh, it's really be kind of been a pickup thing and, uh, and it's nice. So somewhere, generally, someone has some kind of connection to who I am or what kind of work I do. Vaguely, sometimes I have to, you know, streamline it. But for the most part, uh, it's not as much head turning as it was in the past, for sure. Yeah, it's something that's probably become more and more commonly known. And I know the first time I heard it, that 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 term was probably fifteen, ten, fifteen years ago, and I didn't know. But I was actually really, I was actually kind of pleased when I mentioned the word doula to this friend, and they didn't know what it was because I'm like, this is a great, good. There's at least somebody who doesn't know, so chances are we'll be able to educate uh, some people along the way. Yeah. Um, for sure. John, were you familiar with the doula profession in passing? I mean. With either kid, I've never dealt with a doula, so I have no experience from that standpoint, but kind of have an idea. I may be making this sound like it's um, more more bizarre off the wall of a job than it really is. <laughs> I'm just trying to find ways around giving away the answer. Um, here's what I think we'll do, though, unless either of you had, had something else to add. Maybe we'll do our tidy up so that we can get through that and then get to quiz time so that if you don't know what a duel is and you're hanging on the edge of your seat, you'll find out soon. Does that, does that sound good to the other two people in this mm-hmm. room? Sounds good. Sounds good. Tidy up before we go, go any further with the show, show. Tidy up before we go, go fix our mistakes tonight. I want to 
Alright, so we're uh, we're tidying up things from previous episodes, from from pe- previous life um, life experiences, and and John, you had uh, mm-hmm. I already forgot what you were going to do, but you have one, and I'm so thankful that you do. Yeah, this stems from the Labor Day episode of last year. Oh yes, I remember now. I had totally forgotten. It does stem from the Labor Day episode. I have a I have a friend in my life who I've been getting to know pretty well, and she is Iranian, uh, Persian. And she speaks the language. She speaks Persian or Farsi. Um, and I did not know that she was listening back to the Labor Day slash. Uh, well, it was Labor Day. You did a quiz on Labor Day history, John. Mm-hmm. I did a quiz on my job of radio. And you actually spoke Persian in that episode. And this may have been our first person who actually speaks the language who heard that episode. She texts me and she says, oh, my God, John nailed the pronunciation of what he said. So I, d- I wanted to give you props in a public way here on our tidy up. And you want to tell, look, you can tell, you can fill the people in on what the word is that you said, what the two words were. Well, so it was the, the Persian words that the word seersucker comes from. And we'll see if I can say it right, right a second time. <laughs> uh, it was sheer and shakar, which literally means milk and sugar. Yeah. Sheer Shakar, which is where we get Seersucker from, which if you didn't listen to that episode is like that, um, that fabric that's kind of, how did you describe it? Like it's, um, um, so it's normally two colors and stripes and one color is kind of, or one of the colors is rippled and the other one is smooth. Yes. Yes. So the tidy up here is that John is fluent in Persian and, and that's all you need to know for now. And then I have a tidy up that that I think goes way back. I can't tell you what episode. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this on air and it involves our guest and specifically the husband of our guest, uh, one Richard Meikle, Skipper as I know him. I I grew up, I actually was in Cub Scouts with him back in the day. I'm pretty sure I made a claim, Ambrosia, that he is one of only two or three people to hit a home run over Narbon's fence. Did I make that up? Is that just a myth no. that I have added to Skip's legacy? Or is this the truth? This is truth. And not only that, I don't know if you know this part. He broke Daryl Strawberry's record for like the longest home run in that area or arena somehow. Yes. And, and so, so for those of you who know nothing about what I'm talking about in terms of not, you know what a home run is, I'm assuming, but Narbonne High School is the, the high school that Ambrosia and I went to and, and Skip went to. And it is a insanely deep outfield. I don't know. It's it's over. It's probably over 400 feet, I would guess. And a tall, 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 tall fence. And nobody hits it out of there. That's not what you do in high school. But Skip, Skip did. They found it like the next day and like ended up measuring it out. It was like in the, it was whatever is next to that, like that horticultural area or something or somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a horticultural area over the home run fence that never anticipates getting a home run ball. And, and that's how, you know, you've hit a home run ball far when you have to go look for it the next day. Amazing. And this is, this is a prolific home run hitter in his day. And now he's a, is he still doing long drive competitions? Golf, golf, long driving. Actually to wrap that up for you though, like to like, put a bow on that for you. That's when he peaked. Like, that's it for him. Like, that's, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We got that tidied up. We got Richard Meikle peaked in 2001 or two, uh, hitting that home run. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) He still hits balls really far. uh, And he does the long drive tour. And he does a lot of um, charity golf events where he goes out and says, you know, hey, I'm Richard Meikle, and I hit balls really far, and I broke Daryl Strawberry's record once, and 
I'm going to hit this golf ball if you pay me in the charity, you know. And yeah, that's his gig. Look, we may we may just have uh, spawned a new guest idea because we've ne- we have never <laughs> talked to a long ball a, a long ball driver who's broken Daryl Strawberry's record. So something on the something on the horizon for us. It's time to take a quiz or two. Like a genius podcast, doing this for you. You may fail, but it ain't no lie, baby. It's quiz time. Don't really want this quiz to be tough. I just want to pass one because I failed enough. Ambrosia Meikle is a professional doula, which we have not officially revealed what that is. You probably already know, but if you don't, that is what quiz time is for. And unless, uh, John, you got anything, I I think I'm just going to hand over the reins to you, Ambrosia. Um, You can hop in with number one of the quiz and we can can take it from there and learn all we can. All right. Uh, Question one, what is a doula? Is it A, a type of salad? B, someone who delivers babies next to babbling brooks with baby deer in the in the background. <laughs> C, what Canadian small pop stars. Or D, a person who provides physical, informational, and emotional support during pregnancy and labor. Yeah, well, I, I already know it's not the Canadian pop star one because they call those Justin Bieber's as far as I'm aware. John, do you, uh, do you have any thoughts on these choices or the answer? While I'm, I'm sure that B has happened for a doula at some point in the infinite time span of doulas, I'm guessing D. Yeah, I'm also going to guess D that this is a uh, that a doula is. I want to get the wording right. Hang on, that a doula is a person who provides physical, informational, and emotional support in, after, and during pregnancy and labor. Uh, is that is that right, Ambrosia? That is correct. It is D. Go us! Yay! Yeah. So I'd love for you to elaborate more on that, but I'm also curious, do, do you get, is one of the probably more common misconceptions that a doula is someone who delivers babies just in general, whether there's a babbling brook or not? Yeah. Generally speaking, we get confused for midwives uh, and then midwives would be the professional who takes care of the laboring person and the, and the newborn immediate postpartum um, and does prenatal care, well women care, or well people care, well persons care. Uh, in the community. So they would be the ones delivering or catching the babies where the doula is a little bit less uh, medical or non-medical support person. Yeah. And I know midwives have to go through training because when um, Emily had Charlie, one of our nurse practitioners actually was working on becoming a midwife. And so she was there with our main doctor helping with, uh, with Charlie. So, yeah. Got it. Well, that brings up a good question about what training is required for being a doula. Is there any kind of training or certificate or is it something that you just you have in you and you you go and put yourself out there and do? It's a little bit of both. You can absolutely go to a weekend training. You know, Uh, you could read a book and pass the test and become certified. The certification would only be held by the person who you trained with. And it's not a national certification. Hopefully in time, the doula work will become a little bit more professional where there's maybe some national certification, but what comes with certification is regulation, right? So that kind of goes back to like, well, are you good at it or not? Are you just born with it or not? More more so on that end. Um, I feel like uh, you can be a doula and, and take a test and pass it and, you know, get do all the homework and get a certificate that somebody wrote out in their basement um, and be really shitty at it, right? Um, or you could understand what it's like to meet people where they're at and support people in this space 
and then, you know, do some professional training because it's something that you're passionate about and you care about, right? So it's a little bit of both. Uh, but right now there's no national certification. There is no um, governing organization. And what that allows, though, is for people to have a support person that is once removed from their medical provider. So it kind of, it would be bad on both sides. It would be good to be nationally recognized and then bad to be, you know, uh, slammed with policies and procedures, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pick your poison kind of thing. There's pros and cons. Um, well, you know, the, the, a lot of the word word choices that you use, uh, I can attest really describe you Ambrosia. You know, you, you are someone who is, is very uh, invested in, in your clients and in people in your life. I know you're a very uh, supportive and emotional friend, uh, supportive friend to, you know, you're a good friend of my sisters and, and many of my uh, family members. And I, I actually remember when my little baby nephew Calvin was born, you showed up in the morning, I believe to get the placenta, I, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And that was, and I'll always remember that. And that was very sweet. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if there was some kind of law that kept me from going in there because I wasn't certified, then your sister wouldn't have had access to that. That's a great example. Okay, nice. That's actually part of being being able to be in that space. And so that that was actually pretty close to question number two, which I can say if you want. Good transition. Let's go for it. (laughs) Um, Well, question number two is a true or false question. Uh, So true or false, being on call. So being on call for your clients is the hardest part about being a doula. True or false? <laughs> being, being on call is the hardest part about being a doula. Is that true or is that false? Um, <laughs> I, I love this question. And this is, to me, this is such a great ambrosia question because <laughs> there's, a, there's a certain amount of this where this is, pro- this is based on your experience, which is great. I'm tempted to choose true because you're probably on the clock 24-7. And I guess, and this is, again, because I know you, Ambrosia, and I know how good you are at what you do and what your strengths are, that I would guess the hardest part is just having to constantly be on call. Um, so I think I'm leaning towards true. What do you think, John? I mean, having been on call for different jobs in the past, I can say that it is aggravating when you're on call because you're not like you feel like you want to be able to go do something but then you're like well i'm on call so you know maybe i shouldn't and so then like you know i'd be on call for a week at a time and i wouldn't do much outside of the house like i'd maybe go over to my parents or my in-laws house but i didn't really plan a whole lot just on the off chance i got a phone call and so i'm gonna go true as well yeah, you got to be anchored uh, kind of in one general area. All right, so we're both choosing true, Ambrosia. How did we do? It's true. Um, true. It's definitely true. Being on call is, is rough. It's mentally taxing for sure. Um, but gosh, you know, being with people in really intimate and difficult situations is hard too, right? Mm-hmm. I can give you an example. This past week, I was at a birth and one of my clients, one of them was a, a doctor. And I have all v- different types of clients, but you know, when I get hired by medical care professionals, there's so much in their mental brain about how they want things handled. And Mm -hmm. um, this particular professional didn't handle a stressful situation really well. And uh, I think Mm. almost thought that he might have known a little bit more about the situation than I had. And it was interesting Mm. to have to try to like navigate Mm. that intensity when he's looking at the love of his life, his baby, all of these things going on, maybe this potential worry, a potential problem. And, you know, he's not being very graceful in that. Uh, sure, that can be really difficult. But I would still say the weeks leading up, trying to, <laughs> the leading up, trying to like decide, 
can I go out to dinner tonight? Am I going to get a call? You know, you know, if I buy these concert tickets, mm-hmm. will I be able to go for sure? You know, being on call is rough. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and for such a specific thing, like a child being born, you know, that's so unpredictable. And, um, you know, it's funny, we were, Ambrose and I have been texting this week about doing this podcast and she gave me a warning. She says, you know, I'm on call while we're on, there's a chance like <laughs> I might not be able to show up because, and even as we were recording our pre-show, she said, hey, on, I gotta, I, I have to answer this, you know? <laughs> so so I, I gave you the, like, as long as I'm not at a birth. And as soon as we started recording, exactly right. I said, hold on, somebody's water just broke. And uh, how do you play that? You is know? that what, is that what happened? Absolutely. Wow. Somebody's water just broke. I, I, I mean, I know that this is a podcast, but I might could show you the text. Somebody's water broke. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like, <laughs> how's the odor? Is there any color to it? You know, do you have any contractions yet? All right, well, keep me posted. You know, like, give me 30 minutes. I'm doing something, you know, and it's a hard space to be present where you're at. Uh, but also have to be somewhere mm-hmm. else. All the time. Well, one of the fascinating things that you're describing here is that the birth and I, John can, John can attest to this with, he has two kids and <laughs> I'm trying to gather my words, but like <laughs> birthing is a, is, is a, is an intense uh, experience that some people go through sometimes only once in life, never twice, whatever. And emotions are high. Like you described with, with the patient's husband. And, and on top of that, like somebody's water breaks, if this is a first time mother, that's gotta be terrifying. But the tone right now that you described your text was okay. You'll be fine. Like, yeah. What a what a gift to be able to give that to a client in in um in these situations. So to be able, to, I guess I don't really have a question. I'm just giving you kudos. That's got to be such a tricky <laughs> tricky part of your job to navigate. Yeah, you got to know your clients, right? You got to know it's like like you got to know your audience. Oh, we're we're still figuring that out. <laughs> your audience, yeah. Oh, that's you know we'll get there. Yeah. How many episodes are you in now? Uh, this is sixty. Six, six zero. Yeah, yeah. It's so, only been six zero episodes. Sixty. Okay. But we still don't know our audience. You're getting there. Yeah. Get, call, circle back at 120. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have question number three. and actually works really, really perfectly. Actually, all of these have so far come out really well. Um, because I am a highly decorated and loved doula in the community. Uh, right? <laughs> um, so what is next for me in my doula career? Oh, wow. Is it A, go back to school to become a labor and delivery nurse? B, move to a commune in Tennessee? (laughs) C, become a certified professional midwife? Or D, take some time off to train for the PCT? Wow. Ambrosia. (laughs) This is great because what's next for you in your career? Now, some of these choices don't well, no, they, they could have to do with, with a career of any kind. Um, I'm looking at the, I am looking at the question here. So I'm going to reread these, these, uh, these answers. Um, Ambrosia is a highly decorated and loved doula in the community. What's next for her career? Is it A, go back to school to become a nurse, B, move to a commune in Tennessee, C, become a certified professional midwife, or D, take some time off to train for the PCT, which is the Pacific Crest Trail that runs from what, where does that run from? Like all the way from all the way up the coastline to South America or, or no, something like that. Mexico, Did I make that from up? Mexico, Canada. You, you made that up. Yeah. Oh, wow. And you, and look how quickly she knew that. So maybe she is training. <laughs> what, 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 what do I mean, you I think, John? Too. Yeah. Okay, fine. And, well, and you're training too. We there, know there, that. There, yeah. I mean, there's the Continental Divide Trail and the Appalachian Trail as well. <laughs> Very nice, John. Wow. Uh, so, so what are your thoughts, John? Um, I'm kind of leaning towards C, but at the same time, I could see her wanting to take the time off since she is always on call. 
Yeah, very but true. At the same time, that's not exactly a a career move per se. Yeah, it's a so, light. It's a life move, if you will. Yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing either A or C. Uh huh. A is go back to school to become a nurse. C is the certified professional midwife. Okay, I, I, those are the two that I'm between as well. But here's what's interesting: is Ambrosia, Ambrosia, and and Skip, her husband Richard, who I've mentioned, live a live such a. I, I just love looking at your life from from afar at times. Like you guys have a, you guys went on the road and lived in a van for a little bit. Or no, not lived in a van, but you have a nice little van that you can go out and take trips in. So, like the commune in Tennessee would not <laughs> would not surprise me one bit. And you're very healthy. A physically motivated person. So I could see you actually training for the PCT, but I think because I'm looking at career that I'm going to choose the C1, which is uh, become a certified professional midwife, because that just seems like a logical transition. I want to do all of these things, right? Those are all of the above, kind of. Yes. Um, But it is C. It is C. We'll give that that to both of us, John. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in school to become a professional midwife. I think uh, it's important to have access to midwifery, the midwifery model of care. It's different because it's, you know, uh, obstetrics in general, where nowadays people just go, especially in the United States anyway, you go to the doctor because that's your insurance covers. Then your doctor tells you they you have to deliver in a certain hospital, deliver in a certain hospital because that's what your insurance covers. And you don't really have a lot of options. And so the midwifery model of care really allows for it to be uh, patient-centered or human-centered, right? It is uh, the idea that we're caring for a human, uh, not just a patient, not just your, you know, room seven, um, and really allowing this person to do something that they're physically designed to do. Um, And birth being a physiological process that generally doesn't require much intervention, you know, we allow it to evolve. So there's, you know, you're removing the fear out of it and putting the intimacy back into it for sure. And there are not um, a lot of options for that in our community. So it's super important that the more midwives there are, the more people have options for that. Oh, it's amazing. I'm, I'm so proud of you, Ambrosia. I'm happy for you. That's great. I mean, this seems like such a such a perfect step mm-hmm. for you. And, and you seem like the perfect person for it and what you what you know and what you've uh, what you've accomplished so far in your career. How long does this take to get the certification? Um, well, the uh, to become a midwife, a certified professional midwife, uh, you get a bachelor's in science in midwifery. So uh, it's a four four year program, very specific. So the classes I'm taking now, you know, it's not like when you know we went to college first go round and we took like math and science and you know uh, English you know, uh, all of the work I'm doing now is like, you know, in, you know, settling herbalism and writing papers, you know, on policies and practice and creating my own practice guidelines and creating my own space. By the time um, I finish this bachelor in midwifery, then I will have all the tools involved to become and and manage an active practice. Um, So it's kind of like, and because I've had this doula career, it kind of just will evolve in that space. Okay, so here's what had happened. This is Kevin. This is not part of the episode. It's technically part of the episode. It wasn't part of the interview. We had several uh, issues, technical issues with audio stuff that maybe you've heard, some connectivity issues, as it were. And I, Kevin Schatz, take full responsibility for that. But what, what ended up happening is we ended up losing parts of the interview with Ambrosia that included questions four and five. So I wanted to just run those down for you really quick. And then the conversation does continue and wrap up naturally. So number four, the question was true or false. Doulas only attend home births. 
doulas only attend home births? The answer is false. Uh, doulas attend whatever kind of birth is in the plan of the person giving the birth. And Ambrose did a much better job of saying that than I am doing right now, but I wanted to wrap that up. And number five, the question was, what makes a good fit for a doula client relationship. And here are the four choices. A, their ability to pay, this is Ambrosia speaking, their ability to pay my rate. B, where they are planning on giving birth. C, safety. D, if they are getting an epidural, what makes a good fit for a doula client relationship? And the answer was C, safety, um, the the her, the ability to pay Ambrosia's rate and where they're planning to give birth and how they're planning to do it. None of that matters. It's all what the client uh, wants for their birth. And so safety, C, is the number one uh priority, as Ambrosia explained again, much better than I am doing right now. But the conversation picks up after John asks a uh, specific question um, that uh, has to do with safety or has to do with something. I can't remember right now, but you'll hear it momentarily and the conversation will continue. Thank you for letting me butt in here. I guess the question John asked was like, how, like, how far will I travel? You know, safety isn't so much like, do I feel safe traveling outside of my neighborhood? Because I live in L.A., you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not even my neighborhood is ideal. Right. Uh, safety really means like, do I feel comfortable supporting these people? Can I meet them where they're at? And, you know, can I do the job that they're asking of me? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because so much of what you're saying is just sort of about how to respect your safety for yourself as an individual, mm-hmm. how all of us really need to understand what our boundaries are, what we're willing to do, what we're not willing to do. And it's a, a big part of it is, is that's, that's what you're describing. And so that's great that you, that you know, you know what you're willing to do and where you're willing to go, et cetera, et cetera, you know? I think, um, you know, when I first started this work uh, a little bit, it's like, yeah, I want to do it. I'm pick me, pick me the doula. I'll come drive an hour and a half. Then realizing that a huge part of my job is actually interviewing my clients when they're interviewing me. And I think we've all made a huge shift, even after COVID, like us going like, whoa, hold on. I want to leave my house for this. Like, is this important? <laughs> like, what's the, what's my rate and what's my time worth? And so the doula, like you said, like, would I do it for free all day long? I volunteer. And I take pro bono births and I use sliding scale options. I spend uh, time regularly attending uh, a school in Watts and I teach childbirth education there to teen moms and I volunteer to be their doulas all the time. And that's important to me. That's soul work, (laughs) right? But uh, my bread and butter, of course, you know, I have to find out there too. And so where's the balance? Wow. Uh, that's super inspiring, Ambrosia. Like it's it's so you're, you're you are the definition of service to the to the community and and to to the to the specific cause that you're that you're trying that you have the skill to represent and the heart to represent. And that's really it's really inspiring to hear that you're doing it. Well, thank you, thank you. It's the best. I got lucky. Yeah, good. <laughs> I found I, something that works for me. Well, it's funny because when you were telling the story about how you were telling your husband, Richard, about, oh, there's this thing called a doula and I can be it. And he was like, what? There's someone that I didn't. The other thing that I envisioned him thinking or saying was like, this job that is perfect for you Mm -hmm. exists? Like, yes, go do it. You know, like it just seems like so perfect for for who you are and how I know you, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I was actually a stay-at-home mom before this work and, um, you know, I wasn't terrible at it. And I still coach new moms, right? I do birth and postpartum work. And uh, once my my business <laughs> kind of took off, uh, and I was kind of in my space, and that's where 
organically I was my best human. And <laughs> I remember him saying that to me. He's like, I'm so sorry I let you stay home that long. Oh, wow. And I'll never wow. forget that, you know. And he's really been really supportive of my work. But my work, just like being on call and everything, it takes a lot for my family as well, right? Like, I've missed Christmas. I've missed birthday dinners. I've missed a lot of things, you know, because I'm out of birth. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Sacrifice, but but to do something that you love and to be of service to others, which is which is really beautiful. Um, well, <laughs> we we really appreciate the time that you've taken and coming on and, and teaching teaching us and teaching our audience that we're still trying to discover who they are, but we're for teaching them about about what a doula is and what you do. Um, we'd love for you to have the floor for self promotion if if you want. You know, how can people find you if they're looking for your services? Um, yeah, let the people know. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm happy to support people no matter where they're at, right? Uh, Maybe I know somebody, maybe I have a friend, you know, but I am a birth and postpartum doula, childbirth educator, lactation educator, basically all things baby birth and supporting people. I live in the South Bay and I work in the South Bay, Mm -hmm. as we discovered, but I, I have a great network of people that I know and love and mentor. Um, all over. And, and, and the cool thing about being Ambrosia, right? Cause that's my name is that I just modeled my, my business after me as an extension of myself. So my business name is not really that savvy, but it's, it's Ambrosia birth services. So I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> very, very easy to find Ambrosia birth services. And, and I, you know, I've been speaking highly of you all episode and, and I, and I mean it, but I, I couldn't recommend someone enough. If, if this is something that, that you're looking for support on and you are in the area or are interested in any of the services that Ambrosia uh, described, I couldn't uh, recommend someone more. So, uh, so, so, so go, go get you an Ambrosia in your life is what I'm saying. Now, now the real question, Kevin. If you, you know, you ever settle down and you're going to have a kid, are you going to use Ambrosia? Oh yeah. Well, 10,000%. I wouldn't even have to think about it. I'd be like, Oh, I already got the, I already got the person lined up. He probably didn't even ask me. I would just show up. I'd be like, Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I didn't ask, I was like, she, she would show up with donuts on the day, on the day of the birth. just, cause that's what I know that she does. So. <laughs> All right, Ambrosia. Well, thank you so much again. And, uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. so excited to, to share this with people. So thanks for, thanks for taking the time. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. you guys have a great afternoon it's the lack of genius podcast in your ear holes at last they don't know they're mars and venus that's why it's the lack of genius podcast john is fluent in persian and and that's all you need to know for now